For Sunday school, we are、uh, doing Westminster Confession of Faith, Chapter One, Section Eight. If you turn into the inside of your bulletins,、uh, there you will see、uh, Chapter One, Section Eight. What I'm gonna do is I will read it and then、uh, make a few comments.、Uh, we'll look at the scripture proofs that the that the Westminster Divines、um, gave、uh, for for this section. Remembering that chapter one in the Confession of Faith deals with the authority of Scripture, the inspiration and the authority of Scripture, the inspiration, infallibility, and authority of Scripture,、uh, and and today we're we're we're、uh, up to section eight. Before this, just as a quick uh, review, um, the Westminster Confession of Faith said that the the authority of Scripture comes from Scripture. It's circular reasoning. But the authority of Scripture as God's word comes from the fact that Scripture itself says it's God's word,、um, not just the Old Testament,、uh, but also the the New Testament writers understood themselves to be writing God's word. And it's okay that it's circular reasoning because the only thing higher in authority than God's word is God. Yes. I also isn't one of Jesus' names the word、yes. as well.、Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, but today we we get into a little bit of a nitty gritty uh, uh, detail.、Um, it it may, might not be a a question that we ask ourselves,、um, but it was a question during my ordination: which Bible is authoritative, or which you know, if when we say Scripture is authoritative, what exactly do we mean? Which Bible is authoritative?、Um, And you know it might be odd for us to think, well, which Bible? I, mean, I just have one Bible, right? But let me read this and let me let me kind of explain the the reasoning behind that question.、Um, so, section one eight, chapter one eight, the Old Testament in Hebrew, which was the native language of the people of God of old, and the New Testament in Greek, which at the time of the writing of it was the most generally known to the nations. Being immediately inspired by God and by His singular care and providence, kept pure in all ages, are therefore authentical. So, as in all controversies of religion, the Church is finally to appeal unto them. But because these original tongues are not known to all the people of God, who have right unto an interest in the Scriptures, and are commanded in the fear of God. To read and search them, therefore they are to be translated into the vulgar language of every nation, unto which they come. Vulgar,、uh, just meaning plain language, not vulgar as in disgusting. Okay, vulgar as in well, plain. I was taught vulgate、uh, for the language itself. Is vulgar one thing and vulgate another? I'm not sure the answer. Vulgate、though. was a reference to the Latin. Okay. Yeah. So they refer to different. Which was the first time the scriptures were translated into the language of the people. Yeah. Most people didn't speak Greek. Yeah. So they got it in Latin. Yeah. So it is, there is a connection. It's a common. Yeah. It's a Latin-speaking. Yeah. Okay. Can I ask another quick question? Sure. Go ahead. Uh, it says in the New Testament that Jesus spoke Aramaic. What is that? Sure, Aramaic is a 
it, it's kind of like a hybrid. Um, yeah, um, yeah, of a Hebrew. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So it, it's like, you know, languages develop and change, right? Old English isn't yeah. the same as our English. There's right. old English and the middle English and then, you know, our English. And then even today, our, you know, American English is very different from British English, very different from Australian English, right? Not just in the accent, but like yeah. in mm -hmm. the way people speak and idioms and things like that. Yeah. So language develops mm -hmm. quite quickly over time. Even in America, we have Philadelphian English and uh, Californian English and New York English is Boston, yeah. Boston right, 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 right. Um, and it's not just accent, but it's the way we speak. Um, so language develops quite quickly. So Aramaic was uh, a blend of what and what? Uh, it was it was a, a a type of it was a development a later development of Hebrew language. Oh, okay. okay. Thank you. Um, uh, beginning here, but because these original tongues are not known to all the people of God who have right unto an interest in the scriptures and are commanded in the fear of God to read and search them, therefore they are to be translated into the vulgar, plain language of every nation unto which they come, that the word of God dwelling plentifully in all, may they, that they may worship him in an acceptable manner and through patience and comfort of the scriptures may have hope. Um, so basically, to sum up, the, the, the Confession of Faith says that it's the, the Bible in the original language. Old Testament in the Hebrew in which it was written, the New Testament in the Greek in which it was originally written. It's the original manuscript. It's the original manuscript that are authentical. Um, and that makes perfect sense. That makes common sense, right? If you have, I don't know if you guys ever play the telephone game where, you know, somebody, you know, you line up and somebody says something to the next person and then the person hearing it says, you know, repeats what they hear to the next person and you go on down the line. And by the end of that line, the, the last person repeats what they heard. And it's sometimes very different than, uh, what, Whisper down the lane. Okay. Um, you know, when... Before there was photographs, before there was copy machines, uh -huh. people took the manuscripts and they had to copy them, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and we're not even talking about translating them into, into languages. They, they had to copy them in, in the Hebrew and in the Greek. Um, and people being humans being fallen and mistake prone, uh, you expect there to be errors in, in, in copying. Um, so, so basically the confession of faith says that it's the, it's the original manuscripts. It's the original manuscripts, um, and not the translated copies of, of the Bible that we have that are authentic and it's to those original manuscripts the 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 the, the bible in the original uh languages uh that the church is finally to appeal unto them in matters of controversy now this brings up a question well if we're to appeal to the original languages or the original manuscript where is that 
you know, like where is that stored in a museum somewhere where like if we have a controversy, say, about women deacons, that we can, you know, if the confession of safe faith says you got to appeal to those, is, there, is it housed somewhere in a, in, a, in a safe house or in a museum uh, in an airtight, you know, box that we could go to and, 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 you know, observe? No, we don't have the original manuscripts anymore. Like, for example, um, the letters, the letter that we're doing First Timothy, the letter that Paul literally wrote on as a letter to Timothy, you know, uh, it was either, uh, uh, at that time it was parchment. So, so, so the, 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 the literal letter that Paul wrote to Timothy, we don't have that anymore. And so the question is, then how do we know we have copies of that people copying that, you know, through, through hand, which was passed down and passed down and passed down. So the question is, well, you also said people make mistakes and copying. So how do we know that the copies that we have are faithful to the original? I, I was thinking that when they found the Dead Sea Scrolls, that they compared them with uh, scriptures from Israel that were scrolls in Israel and how either no or few mistakes was. And I, I just thought of that. Yeah, uh, that's kind of that's kind of the answer. Yeah, no, no, that's kind of the answer, because what what happens is, well, first of all, we're not used to copying anymore. So so when when a boss tells me to to, uh, you know, if I read something to, to type it out again on Word, I'll make mistakes. But we're not in that culture. It's because I'm not used to that. Uh, back in those days, the people who copied. Uh, they were much more meticulous and much more diligent because that was the only way for them to transmit information from one generation to the, to another. So, yes, certainly. Um, yeah, and 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 you know when when you think about a scribe or a priest or a monk sitting in their room copying, uh, copying one letter to to make a new manage, uh, to make a you know just a newer uh, copy of that. Uh, letter. Uh, there were supervisors. <laughs> there was a system of, of 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 checks. Okay, so it wasn't just like somebody in their basement copying something and you know passing it off as, uh, um, as scripture. Uh, this was this was a much more supervised, nuanced, meticulous, diligent uh, uh, system. Before your questions, Paul, I gotta get through this. Okay, I have to get through this. Okay, okay. Um, but back to what you said. You know, you have one manuscript, you have the original manuscript, and then let's say four, three, three or four people copy it, right? And then in another generation, uh, three or four people will take this one, three or four more people will take this one and copy that, right? And so, so you're expecting there to be more and more and more and more and more mistakes as time goes on. However, uh, what you actually discover is that um, when, when the four folks take the original manuscripts and they're copying it, they're not making the same mistakes in the same places. Okay, somebody might be misspelling John's name in a different way. Somebody might be spelling uh, you know, uh, somebody else's name a different way. But they're not making the same mistakes in the same places. 
So it's possible to take all four of those manuscripts and compare them and say, well, you know, in this place, three of the four manuscripts agree. And one of them has a little bit of a punctuation mark that's missing. Okay, so you can you can take that and uh, and study it and say, well, the original manuscript must have been agreeing with the three, and it's the one that's you know missing the punctuation mark. That's you know that, that yeah that's incorrect, and you can actually do that through scripture. And so, um, you know, this is from a human perspective, uh, and it's actually quite amazing how you know. The Bible is thousands of years old, mm -hmm. thousands of years old. And yet when they do the manuscript comparisons, the, the errors, the quote unquote errors of, of scribal, uh, you know, copying are, are very minor in, in terms of just minor details, minor spelling, different differences of spelling, uh, differences of punctuation, things like that. And you can actually compare a whole bunch of them and get a consistency. And based on that, say this was what the original manuscript means or, or, or says. Um, let's turn to God's word. Because <laughs> uh, I was, as you know, that's what uh, G.I. Williams explains. Uh, but, you know, the, 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 the Westminster Confession of Faith has a, a, a scripture text that, that, that shows this. Uh, Matthew 5. Verse 18, this is Jesus speaking himself about the nature of God's word. Um, I'll, I'll read the context. So this is actually at the beginning of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And this is right after Jesus tells the folks, you know, um, basically that uh, your, your righteousness has to exceed that of the Pharisees. Okay. But, but this is what Jesus says, and I'll read the context. So this is uh, Matthew 5, beginning in verse 14. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine so, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. When Jesus in verse 18 says, Assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. One jot, literally in Greek, is um, like a, like, not, not even a period, but, but like a part of one of the letters. And a tittle, uh, same thing, you know, a part of one of the letters. Okay, you know how like we have the letter I, you have to dot it and then you have to draw a line. Okay, Jesus is saying even that dot on that I will not, you know, will, will not pass away until all is fulfilled. Now, we usually take verse 18, 
we, we usually understand verse 18 as saying Jesus came to fulfill the law and the prophets, which he did, okay? But the, the, there's another way to understand verse 18, which is to understand it very literally, that all the words of Scripture, the original manuscripts, God is going to providentially and... Um, he is going to providentially and faithfully preserve for us that not one tittle and not one jot is going to pass away, that he is going to supernaturally and providentially preserve his word for us until all is fulfilled, until Jesus comes again. So, so, so if we take verse 18 literally, it's God saying he's going to preserve his word. So that even as it passed through scribes and scribes and scribes, even as it passes through translators and translators and translators, who are not inspired, by the way, that somehow God is going to preserve providentially his word. Okay? I thought that was very important. Um, so that's part of the proof text for... Um... By his singular care and providence kept pure in all ages. Okay? Um... It says that the church is finally to appeal to them in matters of controversy. We see the church actually doing that. Acts 15, right? Probably the, the, the greatest church council ever, uh, ever recorded, maybe even in the history of the church. Okay, the first one, even maybe the greatest one. Acts 15 describes how Paul and Barnabas come back from the church uh, where many Gentiles become believers. And then Acts 15 begins, And certain men came down from Judea and taught the brethren, Unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. So there was a big controversy. For these Gentile believers, do they need to be circumcised or not in order to be truly saved? Or are there tiers of salvation where like, okay, Gentiles are, you know, lower level saved, but in order to be truly saved, you have to be, you know, observe all the customs. That, that was... That was a big controversy, um, but this is how this is how the disciples um, decided this issue. Uh, in verse six, now the apostles and elders came together to consider this matter. So they basically had a presbytery meeting or general assembly, right? All the right. That's that's basically where we get that from. The apostles and elders they all came together to consider this matter. Um, and then after there has been, had been much dispute, it, has, it even says that there was dispute. Then they asked Barnabas and Paul to, to, to talk about their side. Okay. So this is what it says in verse 12. Then all the multitude kept silent and listened to Barnabas and Paul declaring how many miracles and wonders God had worked through them among the Gentiles. So they got Paul and Barnabas to get up and testify, okay, this, these are all the supernatural things that God has been doing in the life of these Gentiles as proof that they ought to belong and they ought to be saved by faith alone, not faith plus some works. And after that, they have become silent. After they finished talking, uh, James, James, who was at the time the, the leader of the church, James answered, the moderator, I don't know. <laughs> James answered saying, Men and brethren, now listen to what James says. Men and brethren, listen to me. Simon Peter, 
previously has declared how God at first visited the Gentiles to take them out to take out of them a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written. After this, I will return and will build the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. I will rebuild its ruins and I will set it up so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord. Even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who does these things. And there, uh, James is quoting from the Old Testament, Amos. You see what happened there? James has just listened to the testimony of Barnabas and Paul proclaim the great works, the mighty works of God on the Gentiles. But he does not appeal to that to say that is proof that the Gentiles belong. Right? That is not the final line of authority that James appeals to. He appeals to Scripture. So Scripture is always to be our final appeal in terms of matters of controversy, not hey, these women deacons are doing great things and God is obviously working through them, so you must approve of them as women deacons. No, right? It is not, well, you know, this, this uh, prosperity go- uh, 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 preacher guy who, who proclaims that, you know, he's done all these miracles, actually a lot of people allegedly, apparently get, you know, healed and they're walking now and you know, his ministry is successful. So based on the great works that's, that we see, you know, he must be legitimate. No, right? The final appeal has to be to Scripture. So James here doesn't even appeal to, to Barnabas and Paul's great works that God did through them, right? He appeals to Scripture. He appeals to Amos to say, look, Scripture said, Scripture even says that the Gentiles will be brought into the house of God. So who are we to... To kind of you know to prevent them okay um i'll just bring one more even jesus john 5 even jesus very interesting what jesus says this is john 5 after uh jesus heals this lame person by the sheep gate, by a pool, by the sheep gate, where he tells this person, take up your bed and walk. Um, and all the Jews uh, are really upset by that. Um, and Jesus basically there in that conversation with the Jews, he, 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 he basically compares himself to God. Uh, uh, my father has been working until now and I have been working. So he makes statements where he equates himself, Trinitarian statements. He equates himself to God. Uh, and so all of Jerusalem is very upset at Jesus. Okay. It's very interesting what Jesus appeals to as the final authority on le- the, how legitimate his work is. Okay. Uh, John 5 verse 31. If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. There is another who bears witness of me, and I know that the witness which he witnesses of me is true. You have seen, you have sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth, John the Baptist. Yet I do not receive testimony from man, but I say these things that you may be saved. He was the burning and shining lamp that you were willing for a time to rejoice in his light. 
But, so first he appeals to John the Baptist, okay? He says, if I, if I witness about myself, there's no, there's no legitimacy, right? You, you, nobody in the right mind should believe that. But John witnessed about me, so you should believe him. Okay, but Jesus doesn't stop there. Verse 36, but I have a greater witness than John. For the works which the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I do, bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. So Jesus says, look, don't believe what I say about myself. Believe John. But I know you're not going to believe John the Baptist. So believe in the works that I do, right? The miracles that you see, you know, healing of the guy, you know, making the lame man walk. Which, you know, I think would be pretty convincing, right? But Jesus doesn't even stop there. Uh, but I have a greater witness than John's for the works which the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I do bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. And the Father himself who sent me hath testified of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form, but you do not have his word abiding in you because whom he sent you do not believe. You search the scriptures for in them you think you may have eternal life. And these are the very words which testify of me, but you are not willing to come to me that you may live. And then Jesus goes on, basically he says, for if you believed, uh, do not think that I shall accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses. When he says Moses, he means scripture, the law, in whom you trust. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me, but you do not believe his writings. How will you believe my words? So Jesus first appeals to John the Baptist, saying, this other guy that you trust, he says, I'm the Messiah. Then he says, look at my works. These are the works that only God can do, right? But he doesn't stop there. His final appeal in the highest appeal and what we should learn from is to Scripture. Scripture spoke about me. That is why you ought to believe. And if you don't believe me, then you are not only rejecting me, you are rejecting scripture. You are rejecting Moses. If you don't believe in scripture, how will you believe in me? And this is the, this is the son of God. This is God saying this to people. And he's appealing to scripture. He could have very easily said, look, I'm God. <laughs> Just believe because I'm God. And that's, that should have been enough reason for the people to believe on him because he is God. Right? But even Jesus doesn't do that. He says, look, you know, the, the appeal, the, the, the highest appeal in terms of authority is scripture. Uh, one final thought. Halloween is coming up, but I don't know whether we celebrate Halloween or not. Uh, the day after Halloween is Reformation Day. Reformation Day is coming up. Um, you know, when we think about the Reformation, there's many things to think about, right? You know, uh, the, the, the protest against the Catholic sacraments, the protest against the Catholic Church setting itself up as the sole authority, right? Even above scripture. But perhaps the biggest thing to come out of the Reformation was this idea that we must translate God's word into the vulgar languages of the nations. Because at that time, that was not allowed. That was actually uh, 
you, you were actually persecuted and jailed for treason against the Catholic Church for translating the Bible into the vulgar languages. At the time, the only Bible that was available to folks was the Latin Bible. You know, think about if you're a person, if you're a farmer from France or uh, England, you don't know Latin. So you're going to Mass and the priest is speaking Latin, which you have no idea about. He's reading God's Word in Latin, but you have no understanding of that. So how are you supposed to know what God really says? Well, the priest, you know, your only source is for the priest to tell you, well, here is what God says. Well, what if the priest is lying? What if the priest is making a mistake? Right? So people didn't have access to God's word. And so one of the things that, uh, one of the great things, probably the most important thing to come out of the Reformation was they made a real effort to go back to the original languages and to translate them into, into the, the plain languages. That's where the King James Bible comes from. Um, you know, and that's where we get guys like Wycliffe and uh, others. Um, so, so still very important to this day, very important principle to this day. There's a lot more that we could say about biblical translations, you know, uh, the, the spectrum, right? How literal they are, how faithful they are to the original language. Um, find a Bible. Basically, the, the idea is we need to find a Bible that is as close to the original, as faithful to the original language as possible. That's a loaded statement <laughs> in light of, right, in light of what the uh, 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 things like the NIV study committee is planning to do with their new version of the NIV in, in light of what they're planning to do, you know, with all of that. But in a nutshell, we are trying to get uh, an English Bible. The best Bible is one that is closest to the original language. Okay, any questions or comments? I hear the phrase scribes and Pharisees, and the word scribe just just hit me as you were talking about writing. Mm -hmm. uh, I never knew why they would say scribes and Pharisees. Like, what's the difference? And I guess scribes are only scribes and Pharisees were only gutters? I was trying to figure that out. No, Pharisees were like their, kind of like their teachers and the rulers. Oh. Um, but scribes were, were the ones that, I mean, you have Moses's letters or yeah. Moses's books, but you didn't have like a physical copy of that book that Moses literally wrote on like thousands of years ago. That had to be copied and copied and copied and copied by scribes. And I didn't right? Use scrolls. Right. So, okay. Yeah. Thank you. So when Jesus yeah, okay. read from the scroll yeah. from Isaiah, that was not literally the scroll that the prophet Isaiah wrote on. Oh, okay. Right. Thank they don't, we don't have that anymore. But scribes had to copy and copy it through, you know, many scribes copied and copied and copied and copied through many generations. But God, right, God preserved that process um, where, uh, you know, we, even though we don't have literally the, the original copies anymore, uh, we, we have a, a, a very accurate, uh, even though these are copies, it's still very accurate to the original. Okay. First one is um, Wycliffe translated from the Latin. Okay. Didn't have a big impact. Tyndale 
these ideas in more common, or maybe it might have come, I don't know the history, he might have come up with it on his own, but went back to the uh, original um, mm. Greek and Hebrew. Yeah. And his translation was more accurate, had a bigger impact on the English version. That's true, yeah. That's, that's one thing. Uh, of course, Wycliffe is much earlier, too. But, um, the, uh, the second thing I'm thinking of is that um, there's the application of worship. This is on my mind because I'm thinking of doing my uh, next uh, paper for class on uh, soul scripture applied to worship. But the purpose for us diligently studying yes. God's word in our own language is to worship him yes. in an acceptable manner, yep. which uh, goes along with this concept that I'm learning that the reformers applied soul scriptura first and foremost to mm -hmm. worship. That's the first place they stopped. And that's commanded. Uh, Colossians 3, we didn't get it, get a chance to get down there. Colossians 3.16, be filled with the word. Be filled with the word. Uh, and then immediately after that, it says, by singing hymns, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So the elements even begin to be lifted. Right. So, so right after it says, be filled with the word, the next sentences talk about worship. And then application. You know, husbands do this, wives do this, masters do this, slaves do that. But the first application is worship. Yeah, I mean, So when we have yeah. these discussions in church, should we do this, should we do that? It's not just academic. Uh, it's not, well, this is what we do because that's what that's our tradition. Right. We need to look at God's word and see if it's biblical worship. And then the uh, the third thing. Well, can I read this verse? Sure. It just uh, let the word of God dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. And then it goes, wives do this, husbands do this, children do this, fathers do this, bondservants do that. Yeah, so so it's Colossians 3. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Uh, and then the, uh, I don't know, are we going to go back to um, 1 8 next time? No, I'm going to try to move on, but. All right, then I'm going to mention the third thing, which is uh, I, I didn't really know when I first read the NIV with the notes about this kind of text has this. Sure. But by the time the ESV came out, I had more of knowledge of those things. And I did not like what the ESV did. Yeah. In that it would decide as the translator that the so-called better manuscripts yep. did or didn't have something. Right. And therefore it would include or not include something. And when it didn't include something, it often didn't even let you know. Yep. By being right. Wow. And... Um, what I, what I want to say is that this section says that God is able to preserve his word in all generations. And so I, I feel like the, the modern translator's idea that we found in the last 100, 150 years the best translation presupposes for 18, 1900 years that God gave second best to right. the church. Right, right, exactly. And I do not agree with that. Yeah. That God... Sometimes things were rejected on purpose. Like yes. you got you went into some translations um, to testify against other um, copies, uh, but also people had God's word memorized, so yep. they would know all that copy's not right. And then also, uh, like you can reconstruct from the fathers and others' letters uh, most of the New Testament. 
Mm -hmm. So as you can see, well, George wrote a letter about Colossians, and yeah. it's different in there now than your copies are. You know, yeah. Your, you know, so the, they were on top of it. Like this wasn't an unimportant matter. Yeah. And so I don't think like the best got buried in ancient history. But. Yeah. So to speak about that, and, and we'll, we'll just touch upon this briefly, okay? <laughs> um, to speak about that in critical historical analysis, right? In like, so this is. You know, just not 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 church history, but 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 in in um, higher it's called higher criticism. Where, where, yeah, scholars, atheists looking at the Bible and treating it as like a just like like a man-made manuscript. There's the assumption that if you find a manuscript that's older, that that is more authentic than newer manuscripts. So, if, like, say you have something, uh, let's say you have a, a Greek New Testament that's been passed down through the centuries in the church, okay? But the oldest copy of that was, like, say, from the 13th century or the 14th century, okay? But then you went around digging in Egypt or the you know, Dead Sea and you found some scrolls that were from allegedly, five, you know, 300, 500 BC, you know, uh, in, of the New Testament. The assumption is, well, those things, those, those older manuscripts, because they are older, are more authentic than what was passed down through the church, uh, you know, because just because, you know, we don't have an older copy of, of what was passed down through the church. That's, that's a logical fallacy, okay? Um, for exactly the reason that, you know, it was passed down through the church, so just because you have a later copy doesn't mean that it doesn't have a longer history, right? It was just passed down through the church, you know? Um, and there's nothing, you know, the only conclusion you can make about an older manuscript is that it's older. But in terms of how reliable it is, how, how authentic it is to the actual original, um, you know, some, that's a jump. We knew some uh, textual uh, scholars from that were from They said, you know, sometimes those older manuscripts were found, like, in what would have been the fire pit trash. Yeah. So, like, just because it's an old copy doesn't sure. mean it was a good copy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. What's an ESV? I never heard yeah. that. Ah. Okay. Very recent. Probably the one that's most common in the church today. So. Uh, the most.